thank uh, Melissa Alvarez and, and Damaris that they um, they oversaw the whole thing. And it was awesome. I thank every helper, every person, all the kids, and it, it was awesome. Just as um, Pastor Dave mentioned, um, every night I would come up during the worship time and see the kids worshiping, and I would kind of I try you know trying to it's like. It was hard counting the kids because they're all over the place, right? Remember that? And so I was trying to count the kids, and I was like, okay, there's about 30, 35. And then I'd come up at the end of the service to, to see what's happening at VBS, and I'd count again. And the next thing, there was 40, 45. I'm thinking, wow, these kids are multiplying. This is awesome. But the kids were excited. They got God messages. And uh, so it, it was an awesome time. Thank you for all these that helped. All right, would you take your word out? John chapter 11. John chapter 11. I want you to, to turn to John chapter 11. And we've been talking about uh, just some things that Jesus has been saying. I've been, I, basically, I'm telling you, I've been getting these messages the last two weeks from my life journal. When I take my Bible study and in the morning I read the Bible and I get these messages. And so some of those are from that. And this one specifically, this Sunday, is from that. And it, it's, it, it goes with the account uh, of, of when Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. So John chapter 11, starting in verse 34. I want you to follow along. But before we do that, before we do that, I've got to make sure I'm in the right place too. But before we do that, I want you to do this, okay? Can you, can you do this? Would you just, if you have the Word of God, would you put it in your hand? And if you don't have the Word, whether you have it digitally or not or however, would you just take your hand? This is not a religious experience, okay? But would you just take your hand open like this or take your Bible like this, either way, and just, just say, okay, ready with, with me? We're going to pray. Just pray with me. Dear Lord Jesus, I accept that you are the word of life. You are the word. You were in the beginning and you still reign today. Holy Spirit, open my mind, open my eyes, open my spirit to the word and what Jesus is going to do in my life starting today. In Jesus' name, amen. Now the reason I did that is because I want you to be spiritually ready. Because I don't want you coming to church just to hear the pastor preach. How boring. And there's a lot of good preachers out there. And, and I try my best. But I want you to hear the Spirit of God today. I want you to hear what Jesus is saying to us about the resurrection and life. So here we go. John chapter 11, verse 33. It says this. When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him, he asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, See how he loved him? But some of them could not, some of them said, Could not he who opened the eyes of the blind men have kept this man from dying? Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, Martha, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there is a bad odor. For he has been there for four days. Then Jesus said, Did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? Verse 41, So they took the stone away. They took away the stone, and, and Jesus at, looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me. But I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. Then he said in a loud voice, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus! Come out! The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, Take off the grave clothes and let him go. And this morning we're talking about 
Jesus saying to the church, Jesus saying to you, Jesus saying to this world, take away the stone. You see, one of the parts, if you read there, the whole story, this is not a, a made-up story, this is something that really happened. In this account, Jesus came and he, and he was a friend of Lazarus, obviously, if you can tell. And he was burdened, he, was, he wept that, that Lazarus had died, and there's some other reasons he possibly wept. But it says that Jesus came to the tomb, he came up to the tomb. He said, take away the stone. And of course, you're like, Jesus, he's dead for four days, you don't understand. And he said, if you would believe, if you believe, you'll see the glory of God. And of course, you, you, hear, you heard me, he, he, he said in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. Lazarus comes out, and just probably where some of the people get the concept of these horror movies or zombies or whatever, and he comes out in his grave clothes, wrapped. I mean, he's probably trying to walk out. And so then they, he said, remove him, remove these things, and let him go. And so this morning, you see, in, in this world, all of us would agree that, let's face it, we're going to die, right? Aren't you encouraged by that? Like, I, I came to church to hear that. Wow, that's duh. You're going to die, right? Just say this. I am going to die. But I can live in Jesus. And you see, there are people that they are they're living today, but they're dead spiritually. They're living today, but their marriage is dead. They're living today, but they're just in a rut, and they're just doing the same thing, or they're trapped in something. And Jesus said, he said in, in, in John 11, 25, 26, he says, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, in me will live even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? The question for us is, do we believe this today? Do we believe that Jesus can still resurrect our bodies, our minds, our relationships, our careers, our, our families, our, our situation? Jesus is able to do those things, I would say. Amen. And he said to them, take away the stone. And you see, today, people in life, some of you in this room, maybe I've been there, maybe I'm there today, we have a stone that's keeping us from living. We're dead to God, possibly. We're dead to the world. We're dead to, to whatever's keeping us back. And God is saying, remove the stone. I am the resurrection and the life this morning. And I, if you hear with your spirit today, you are going to become alive in a new thing. You see, t today people are spiritually dead. They might be physically alive, but their marriage is in a tomb. Maybe they're at a dead-end job, or they're entombed by a life-controlling habit, or they're buried in fear, or they're buried in shame, or, or their faith is dead. See, not only can Jesus resurrect bodies, but He can resurrect relationships. He can resurrect you in whatever you're doing. So I want you to listen today, okay? Here's another statement. Finishing, listen to this, finishing is more important than starting. Finishing is more important than starting. I just have part of a scripture, Ecclesiastes 7.8 says, Finishing is better than starting. Patience is better than pride. Now, how many times, many of us have done this, right? Remember at the beginning of the year, after, after the holiday season, after you've eaten a lot of uh, Christmas goodies and New Year, you know, uh, after you've, you've eaten all that, uh, and, and so then, at, remember, some of you, go, you go sign up for the gym, and you start, but you don't finish, Right? Or you say, I'm, my New Year's resolution, I'm going to not do this. And you start, but you don't finish. Now, how many, how many have been watching the Olympics at all? How many of you know what the Olympics are? How many of you know who you are today? I'm just making sure you're alive today. You see, in the Olympics, it was pretty amazing. There was, there was this young lady, motor, now, now they have BMX, which I, I'm still not totally sold on it being an Olympic sport, but hey, they have to pedal and it's hard. And, and there was this American girl in, in one of the BMX races. And it's, it's pretty amazing. I mean, I would die out there. I couldn't do that. 
and, and they were like jumping over these things. And this girl, she, she, I don't know, she tried to get two, what they call two berms or two bumps, and she missed one, and she came down and came off her bike, and thank God she had a helmet. Her face, she did a face plant into the side of this, this gravel concrete thing. And then, then I saw her, she's, we're watching her, and then she's just laying there for a minute, you know, you just, you can see she's dazed, like she's got probably a concussion or something. And all of a sudden she just, she gets up, she tries to pick up her bike, and she's stumbling all over the place. She's trying, and she, you see her looking at the finish line, she's trying to finish. And a trainer comes over, she's laying back down again, and she's just laying there for a minute. He's like, are you okay? She's trying to get up, and she's asking for help. And then he's like trying to take her to the side, and she's like, no, I want to go. And so he helps her walk across the finish line. Because to her, finishing was more important than starting. You see, in your faith today, some of us, we started with Jesus, but now we've lost where He is. Some of you started in your relationship with your family or whatever, and now you've lost or it's been entombed, and, and finishing is more important than starting. You see, maybe some of you, God gave you a, a, a God dream. And you're like, man, but you know, I got taxes, I got kids, I've had this and I have that, and, and now I can't, you know, that was just a dream. And maybe God said, you know what, pull that thing out of the tomb again. It's a God dream. And finishing is more important than starting. Amen? You see, too many of us, and I love America, and I'm glad, and I love every country, and I'm, I'm blessed, and, I'm, and I, I thank God every day that I get to live in a great country. It has problems, it has flaws, but this is a great nation. All the nations are great. But you see, what I see in America is the American dream is killing the American church. We think, man, if I could just get the bucks, if I could get the babes, and I could get the bling, my life's going to be great. And we see that, and people are ruined. They die empty. They, they commit suicide, or they, they, they overload themselves on something. And I want to tell you that the God dream, the heavenly dream, is bigger than the American dream. And some of you, you've buried your heavenly dream underneath the American dream. The pursuit of life, liberty, and happiness. And those are great things, but you should pursue the life of God. The true joy of God. And the true happiness when Jesus will say to you, and God will say to you, well done, good and faithful servant. So I want to say today, let the Lord Jesus help you take away your stone. You see, He understands what you and I have gone through. Hebrews 2, 14-16 says, Since the children have flesh and blood, He too shared their humanity, so that by His death, He might destroy him who holds the power of death. That is the devil. And free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. And I see a church in America, we're, 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 we're afraid. Afraid of political correctness, afraid of politics, afraid of terrorism, afraid of, afraid of global collapse, afraid of this. Afraid of, and God is saying, I am alive. You don't have to fear, amen? So let's go. Let's go. I'm going to try not to go super fast, but I've got to go and move along. And I'm going to kind of what they call kind of. I'm going to just. I'm going to, this is kind of a hybrid message. If you theologians out there, um, I'm going to just go through this. And this is what they would might call an expository sermon, where they take a scripture and they walk through that. Okay. So I'm going to do that with you. Can you do that with me today? Are you okay with that? How many of you like five course meals? How many of you like to eat? How many of you've never eaten in your life? You're a liar. Because you had to. And so this morning, this is not a five course. How many courses is this? This is a lot. What do your notes say? You're going to get an eight course meal today. Isn't that awesome? Like, oh my goodness. So, so strap in. We'll be done at 3.30, 4 o'clock. I'm just kidding. Somebody's like, oh my goodness. Get out of here. Let's go. Let's go. No, I'll be done here in a short time. Number one, and I changed it for the English. Say, could he not? John chapter 11.37. If you're still there, you can follow along. But some of them said, and I, I changed it to could he not, but in, they said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man 
from dying? And letter A, you want to write this down. Isn't God big enough? You see, those around at the time, when they saw this and they saw that Lazarus had died, and, and they obviously had seen Jesus had, had healed people, he had opened the blind eyes. And so then when Lazarus died, they said, could not he raise this man from the dead? Now, obviously, they were, they were, they're humans, and they, they doubted, or, or, or they didn't see the big picture. But you see, God knew the big picture, because what's the next thing Jesus is going to do? Well, Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. You and I were like, well, duh, because we can see the Scriptures. They were living through the Scriptures at the time. And so they were saying, isn't God bigger than death? And they obviously did not see what God was up to. And so, in this, and some people have a problem with this, you see, sometimes we don't like this concept, that there is evil in this world. And you know what? Bad things happen to good people. Did you know that? And you know what? Some of us now, now listen to what I say. God never tempts us with evil, but sometimes He lets evil have its way in this world so that we will trust in Him and grow from it. And some of us have a trouble with that. Well, man, God's a good God. He never allows bad things to, to happen to His children. I said, what Bible have you not read? I mean, did you not read the story about Job? Did you not read about what Jesus went through? Did you not read about the apostles? Did you not read about, about all the different people in the Bible who had tough times and tough things happened to them? But see, see, what happens is sometimes we get, our, we get narrow-minded in our faith thinking that, that we will never suffer because we're Christians. That's a lie from the devil. You're going to suffer. I mean, wasn't it interesting that people are in an uproar over this restaurant that serves chicken sandwiches? They're suffering because they're standing up for something right. I mean, when, is it, when, when did it become illegal to stand up for traditional biblical marriage? Do you see what I'm saying? When, when did it become wrong to say, I'm a believer in Jesus Christ? You can't say that name here. That's against the law. It, 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 the, Bible, the, the Constitution, you know, it, it says that separation of, of church and state. And, and I always say, where is that in the Constitution? It's not. I've read the Constitution. It's not in there. Thomas Jefferson said that, and the Founding Fathers said that, so that the, the government would not start a state religion. So you've got to know your facts, right? And you see, the thing is, we get narrow-minded. Well, I, God, God healed that person, but why aren't, am I healed today? Well, that's great about Alberto's brother, but what about me? Can I just be nice to you pastorally? What about you? Are you going to buck up as a Christian and say, you know what, no matter what happens in this life, I'm still going to serve Jesus. Jesus said, I'm the resurrection and the life. And even though I die, I still have life. Amen? You need to sometime, and this is your homework, is you need to read Hebrews chapter 11 and 12. Hebrews 11 talks about those who, who, who went through suffering, but they all did it for the sake of Christ, and they did not get their earthly rewards. But they held out for a better reward in heaven. Let her be. Let me, let me talk about this. And so some of us will say, well, well, why does a loving God let people suffer? I mean, if God is such a loving God, then, and, I, this is, and you hear this, why are people dying in Africa? Why are people dying in China? Why are people dying in America? Why are people, I mean, why are people dying everywhere? Why are these children starving? You know, a lot of times it's because of other people. It's not God. It's other people. It's, it's greedy government. It's greedy gangs that take the food before it gets to these people. God has nothing to do with that. Well, if He was God, He would zap these people. If God did that, then He would have to zap everyone in this room. So be careful how you're ready to be God all of a sudden. Amen? Because there's suffering. So, so suffering happens, and listen to this, because man has a free will. Say, I have a free will. 
No one forced you. Well, maybe your spouse forced you. Maybe your parents forced you. But no one forced you by gunpoint or sword point or knife point to come to church today. If they did, please don't do that anymore. That's not very nice. It's not Christ-like. But you see, every one of us have a free will. You chose to come here today. And, and, and because of that, listen to this, because we have a bunch of humans, how many, how many humans are on the planet Earth? Anybody remember? Seven billion people. Now we have a room, probably, I don't know how many, there's probably over 100 people in this room. Now can you imagine if every one of us begin to exert our self-will over each other in just this room? Now, now multiply that by 7 billion people. And do you think things happen bad? Absolutely, because now you have 7 billion people on the earth exerting their self-will. Now, some of them are believers, some of them are nice people. They not, may not be believers, but because of that, self-will is exalted, and in that, the process, people get hurt. Well, well wait a minute, Pastor Stan. What about the cancer? What about the AIDS? What about this, all that stuff? You know what? We are living in a world that is corrupted by sin. Adam and Eve sinned and they brought corruption and the earth would begin to degrade. And so our bodies are degrading because of that curse. Now Jesus said again, I am the resurrection life. So if we accept him, sure our bodies are going to die, but our spirits are alive. And we're going to be with Jesus in heaven at the end of time, whenever that is, whether we end our life here or if he comes back. And so people have a struggle. They say, well, if God's such a living God, then why am I suffering? Why am I going through tough times? And I don't have all the answers except for, again, sometimes mankind exerts its self-will. And sometimes you say, well, my, well Pastor Stan, and I worked at uh, my first church as a youth pastor. I talked about this before. Is, is a, a couple of the families in our church had, had uh, some foster girls. And unfortunately, those foster girls were abused by their parents and, and specifically were abused by their fathers. And when during one of the sermons that I was preaching, I was talking about a heavenly father, a loving father, and they were mad. I mean, these girls were mad. They're like, if God is like my dad, I don't want to serve someone sick like that. And with tears in my eyes, and they began to cry, and I said, God is not a child abuser. And I'm sorry that happened to you. God is a real loving father. And he loves you, and he offers you life through Jesus Christ. Some of those girls, they, they are still hard, and they're... I hope they've changed, but some of those girls gave their lives to the Lord over that time that I was there. And I don't have an answer to everything, but let me just tell you a couple things. In fact, if you want to write this down, write this down. This is a side note. Answers in Genesis. Answers in Genesis. Write that down. Answers in Genesis. If you, if you Google that, Answers in Genesis has a lot of stuff. Ken Ham is the, one of the founders of Answers in Genesis. They talk about creation and evolution. It's a, it's, a, it's a bunch of scientists who actually believe in creation science. And so they have proof scientifically and theologically, the Scriptures proving that God exists and discounting and disproving uh, 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 evolution. And so one of the books that Ken Ham wrote is um, How Could a Loving God with a Question Mark? Ken Ham, H-A-M. He's an Australian man, and if you listen, you know, I can't do it, but he's an awesome, I've heard him in person a couple of times, and Ken Ham's, one of his brothers passed away. And he has in here, and the question for us, some of us have seen this suffer, our suffering, is how could a loving God allow my husband to die, my mom to die, my brother to die, the, the poor people? And he has some answers here. So answers in Genesis, look up Ken Ham. You'll find some other books. There's the, the New Answers book. There's over 25 questions, creation, evolution, and the Bible. I'm just showing these. I don't get any money for this. Don't take these because these are mine, please. You're welcome to come up after the end. And then it says another one. I want to throw this at you. Demolishing supposed Bible contradictions. Also there are answers in Genesis. So you can get those. So there are resources out there. There are resources out there. Your Bible. There is a guy named Jesus. You can go to him and say, God, I don't understand. Will you help me? He will help you. 
But sometimes, listen to this, sometimes tough times are not always the result of sin. Sometimes God allows us to go through tough times because He wants you to grow up. Now, we don't like that, right? James, in, fact, James 1, 2, in fact, James 1, 2 and 3 says this, Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. And somebody said, what kind of a God would do this? A God that loves you. How many of you love spoiled kids? Now, some of us spoil our kids, and you grandparents, you love to spoil your grandkids, right? And then you fill them full of sugar and stuff, and you send them back with mom and dad. Isn't that fun? You're getting us back, aren't you? But you see, God doesn't like spoiled kids of His own spiritually. When we're whining all the time, we're crying. We're like, why me, God? Why do I go through this? Why, why, why? You see, if a loving God loved you, He would not allow you to have everything you wanted. He would help you grow. Amen? You see, sometimes, though, God really wants to see if we're really going to trust Him or we're going to trust His gifts. He wants to really see if we really do love Him. Listen to this. Okay, so if you've gone through some tough times, you're going to see more tough times in life. It's just part of life. Psalm 37, 23-25 says this, If the Lord delights in a man's way, he makes his steps firm. Though he stumble, he will not fall. For the Lord upholds him with his hand. Isn't that awesome? Oh, come on, you should be shouting right now. Verse 25, I was young and now I am old, yet I have never seen the righteous forsaken or their children begging bread. You see, God will not forsake you. You may go through a tough time, but He's not going to forsake you. Amen? He wants to develop our perseverance. James 1.4 says this, Perseverance must finish its work so that, listen, you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Isn't that awesome? You see, you enjoy things when you have to, when you have to actually work for them a little bit more versus things being handed to you all the time. And this is counter to our culture. Our culture wants everything handed to them. It's God's job. It's the church's job. It's the government's job. It's my boss's job. No, it's your job to get a job and to work hard at your job. Now, I'm, I'm not saying, well, I'm, I'm unemployed right now. We'll, we'll pray that God opens up a door for you to get a good job. You have to go through these times. He's raising up warriors, not wimps. Amen? All throughout the Bible, we see people who are learning perseverance. And all the questions, what makes us think we're so different than those who, like a, a, a Joshua, had to go through 40 years of, of hearing the promise of God and had to wander through the desert for 40 years? How about Job, all the sufferings he went through? How about David? I mean, there's so many accounts of people. What makes us think, well, they were, they were special. They were people like you and I. But they believed in the promise. They held on. They lived the promise. They expected it to happen. So God wants you and I to persevere so that we can live out the promise. Amen? You see, too many times, especially in America, we think that being blessed by God means we'll never face hard times. That is bad theology. Salvation is free, but obedience is costly. Salvation is free, but obedience is costly. Number two, got to move on. I had to spend a little time there to build the base. Number two, Jesus was deeply moved. Jesus, in verse 38, 11, 38, Jesus once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone. Letter A, God cares about you. God cares about you. Say, God cares about me. Now believe that. You need to believe that. You see, sometimes we view God as a non-emotional being or, or someone that just, he just let the whale go and, and whatever. 
You know, God cares about you. He cares when you have victories, when you have, when you have talk times. He, he, he cares that you're depressed or you face uh, struggles or sicknesses or, or anxiety or, 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 or relationships that get broken. He, he cares about that. He feels and He cares for you. Jesus was moved. And He went to the cross. Just last year, I was at a, at a church planting boot camp helping church planters because I did that one time years ago. Planted a church. And there was one of the presenters, his name was Dan McNaughton. He was a Bible, Bible college professor at Valley Forge. And then he planted a church. And then he was helping the, these church planters. And, and one of the nights, we, those coaches would go out for dinner. And we were at dinner time. And he's a very intellectual the guy. has a doctorate. Some, some of you have doctorates, masters. You guys are so smart. I'm, I'm just sometimes humbled to be in front of you. And this man, was, he's, he was a, he's a deep thinker. He's an intellectual. And he began to see inconsistencies in his teenage years between people who, who call themselves Christians and their lifestyle. And he said, I, if there's a God, then they would not live like that. So he began to have doubts about God. And he began to say, I don't believe in you, God. And he began to challenge God. And, and in fact, one night during his teen years, he said, I'm, he, he said that's it. I'm going to give you, God, one more chance. I'm going to end my life tonight. I'm going to give you one more chance, God. Because I see these people that call themselves Christians and they're not living like you. So there's no God. And so he goes out to this field and he says, I'm going to give you one more chance, God. One more chance. And he cries out to God in despair one more time. And he looks out in a star-filled sky. There's not a cloud in the sky. And he's calling out. He says, God, if you're real, prove yourself to me. And it begins to rain on him. There's not a cloud in the sky. There's no thunderstorms or anything in the area. And he begins to look up and he says, God, what is this? And God tells Dan, he says, Dan, these are my tears for you. He says, I'm sorry. He says, I'm crying for you. And that moment, Dan knew that God was alive because God spoke to him audibly. I'm not necessarily recommending that you say, I'm going to kill myself and God prove yourself. But God will answer you if you seek Him. And God loves you. God cares that you're struggling in your marriage or you're struggling in college. You're struggling with your bills. Maybe you're jobless. Whatever. Maybe, maybe your dream is you feel like it's buried, but God cares for you this morning. That's why you're here. That's why you're hearing this message today. So that you can grasp and live that dream out. Let her be. God cares about all people. You see, there's this misnomer that Christians hate everybody. And unfortunately, sometimes as Christians, we actually do that. And I have to check my attitude. And I thank God for my wonderful wife because she helps me check my attitude sometimes. Because there are times when I, you know what I do, I'm, I have a disdain for certain people. And I'm like, yeah, I'm not too excited about them. And she says, are, hey, do you really love Jesus, Dan? I'm like, yeah, then you better start acting different. And I thank God for my awesome wife. I love you. She's awesome. She helps me keep me straight as well. And you see, God cares for all people, right? I know I say this, God loves the gays. He loves the straights. He loves, he loves single people. He loves married people. He loves Republicans. He loves Democrats. He loves politicians. He loves all people. Amen? In fact, this is what it says, Ezekiel 18.32. For I take no pleasure in the death of anyone, declares a sovereign Lord, repent and live. You see, God doesn't want people to die without the knowledge of Him. 1 Timothy 2, 1-4 says, I urge you, I'm throwing these scriptures at you, write them down. I urge you then, first of all, that requests, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgiving be made for everyone, for the kings and all those in authority, that they may live peaceful, that you may live peaceful and quiet lives in, in all godliness and holiness. Listen to this, verse 3. This is good and pleases God our Savior. Verse 4, who wants all men to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. You see, God wants people to know who He is before they pass into eternity. That's a loving God, amen? 
And the question then is, do we care for people like God cares for people? If we really believe that Jesus was the resurrection life, things would be a little bit different in churches today. I'm just being honest with you. We would be more patient with people that are impatient with us, right? We would be more living, we would be more loving to those Republicans, those Democrats, right? We would be more loving to those people of other races. In fact, we would begin to say, they're not my enemy. There's someone I'm supposed to share the love of Jesus with. Amen? And so God loves all people. Let her see, maybe now, maybe Jesus was crying. Let her see, maybe God was crying because of a lack of faith. It says that Jesus wept when, when they heard the news of Lazarus being dead. And then it says he was deeply moved when he goes to the tomb. And I'm just speculating. I'm just throwing this out here. Maybe God was hurt because they did not realize who Jesus was. That he was the resurrection and the life. And maybe he was hurt because they could only see at the moment of what they were dealing with instead of the big picture that God is bigger than your problems. And you see, maybe God was crying not over the sin, but of the lack of faith. And you see, maybe God is crying today because I've heard different people prophesy and say that, you know, God is crying, He's sad. And maybe He's crying not because of the sin, but because the church has the answer and we're not responding to that problem. Maybe he's crying because the church has the answer, but we're sitting in our church buildings. We're coming to our nice worship service. And thank God for an air conditioner system. Amen? So number three, take away the stone. Jesus says in John eleven thirty nine, take away the stone. Of course, Martha, but Lord, Martha says the sister of the dead man, by this time there is a bad odor, for he has been there for, for four days. What entombs us? Number, letter A, what entombs us? What, what, what entombs us? You see, some believe, some believe, and I'm not one of those, who believes that this nation is gone already. It's beyond saving, Pastor Sam. Boom, we just entombed it. We've entombed this nation. It's gone. It's, it, there's no way for it to be changed. Some believe the church is dead. Boom, they just entombed the church. It's dead. Church is not relevant. It has no effect anymore. Some believe that God has abandoned us. Boom, they just, they just entombed God. Some believe that we'll never see a spiritual awakening or revival in the church again. Boom, they're now, okay, so we just entombed the nation. We've entombed God. We've entombed the church. We've entombed the chances of a spiritual awakening. And God is saying, you know what? I'm still able to overcome all those things. Take away the stone. Do you believe in me? And see, see, the next question is, what really entombs us? What keeps us from living? Maybe some of us were entombed in our past mistakes, in our failures, in our frustrations. Maybe this morning you're entombed in fear. And I, I know I talk about this a lot, but, but can I help you? Children of God, you're not to live in fear. Well, the economy, oh, terrorism, all oh, the politics. You need not to live in fear. God says to fear not. Amen? Maybe you've been entombed by a life-controlling habit. God can free you of those habits. God can deliver you from that stuff. Maybe you've been entombed by politics and world affairs. And, and I, man, I, I know, it, I tell you, if I could, if I, was, I would bend this bar and say, oh, I'll show you how angry I am. I'm so tired of the world taking Christians and separating us because of politics. And I'm tired of Christians falling into the hands of those people to do that. There was a day in the America that I'm growing up in, that I grew up in, that Democrats and Republicans were civil with one another. And I'm tired of it. I'm tired of the media fomenting, ah, if you're a Democrat, you're evil. If you're a Republican, you're evil. Ah, let's fight. You know, who is that? That's the devil. Will you wake up? Turn off Fox News. Turn off CNN. 
get on your knees and start praying that we come together. Amen? We've entombed each other. Well, you're a Democrat. I can't talk to you. Oh, you're a Republican. Oh, you're an Independent. Ooh, you're a Tea Party. Oh, you're one of those one of those uh, one percenters or whatever. You know, we've entombed people. Stop. Stop. Amen? We've, we're entombed by maybe the comfort and the pursuit of the American dream. The net, you just got to have the bigger thing. You have to have the better job. You have to have the nicer clothes. And you've been entombed and, and you're losing your spiritual life. Maybe you've been entombed because you're living in the past. Oh, the past was great. Oh, when Pastor so-and-so was a pastor's church, it was great. Oh, back in the day when evangelist so-and-so was out. Oh, it was, you're, you're, boom, you've entombed the church. You've entombed me as your pastor. Oh, Pastor Sam, the evil, it's just, it's just going to overcome us. It's over, you just, boom, you've entombed us by the evil. In fear. You see, anything that keeps us from believing in God and living out His purpose can trap us behind a gravestone. Amen? And God is saying, would you remove that stone today? I'm still on the throne. Amen? I am the resurrection and the life. Let her be. Sometimes, listen to this, and some of us don't like this, but death comes, from death comes life. John 12, he says this in John 12, 24, I tell you the truth, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. The man who loves his life will lose it, and while the man who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. For some of us, listen to this, for some of us, God is waiting for us to die to ourselves so he can multiply himself through us. Some of us were, were holding on to this dream where I don't want to give up control because I don't want to be a poor pastor. I don't want to be a missionary to a foreign country. So I'm not going to give up control. God may or may not call you to those things. But God can use you where you're at. And you see, some of you, you got, some of us have pride. We have issues or something. And you have to die to yourself. And you have to say, Lord, I, I die to myself. I surrender to you because then from that, when you take a single kernel of corn and you plant it in the ground, typically, I know it's been tough this year, how many corn, corn ears come from that? Stalks. How many apples come from one apple seed? Anybody know? A lot. And you see, some of us, we're holding on to ourselves that God can only have me this, on this much on Sunday morning. God says, I want you all the days of your life. And I can multiply myself and I can do great things through you if you let me. See, some of you need to die to yourself. And allow God to take control because sometimes from death comes life. Amen? A surrendered life is a fruitful life. Isn't that awesome? Some of us need to give up our flesh. Now again, I said to some of you, you've got doctorates, you've got triple doctorates, you've got master's degrees. Some of you just went through the school of hard knocks and you're, just, you're doing well in life. That's awesome. But for some of you, that's a pride issue. And God said, when you let go of that, let me use that to glorify myself. Amen? Well, Pastor Stan, if I made a million dollars, I could give some of that money to the church. Is that really the dream that you have? There's nothing wrong with having a million dollars, a billion dollars, but is it just to get it, or is it so that God can use it? Nothing wrong with having nice stuff, amen? I like knowing the idea when I pull out of my garage, and I'm blessed, I live in a a house with a garage, that I can start my car in the morning, and thank God the air conditioner works, amen? I'm grateful for that, but that doesn't make me who I am. Let me move on. Let number four, but Lord... But Lord, this is John eleven thirty nine. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there is a bad odor, for he's been dead four days. Basically, Martha was saying, Jesus, it's over. It's over, Jesus. I mean, Jesus, four days. I mean, his body is. It, this is this is the Middle East. 
He's dead. It stinks in there. He's rotting, basically, what Martha was saying. You see, some of us have said to God, it's too late, Lord. Letter A, it's too late, Lord. Lord, my marriage is beyond repair. Lord, my, my wayward kids will never serve you. It's too late, Lord. I've been stuck at this dead-end job for 30 years and there's no hope of change. Lord, it's, too, it's, it's over. This economy or this government, they're out of control. There's nothing's going to change. God, my problem is so big that you can't handle it. And that's wrong. God can handle anything. God, it's over for this church. This, this church is dead. God, God it's, it, this world has it, gone too far. It, it's over. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. Finishing is more important than starting. So write this down. Let it be, I am the resurrection and life. I am the resurrection and life. Martha did not fully comprehend what Jesus was telling her. And I believe that many times we fail to comprehend what Jesus is saying to us. I am the resurrection and the life. We say we believe in Jesus, but yet we remain entombed by some of those problems that I named out. There's Maybe you're entombed by something else. And you're saying, that, that's great for Alberto's brother, but that's not good for me. That same Jesus can do that thing in your life that he needs to do. In fact, some of us have locked Jesus in the tomb. Letter five, number five, if, if you believe. Jesus said in, in verse 40, Didn't I tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone, and of course he looked up to heaven, he cries out. So letter A, write this down, God's promises... God's promises are always true. Amen. God's promises are always true. In fact, did you know God probably has a book, not only the Bible, but He has a book or books about you. Did you know that? Pastor saying, what? What? Did you smoke your cereal this morning? No, I ate it. It was good, by the way. Listen to this. Check this out. Psalm 139, 16 through 17. Psalm 139, 16. Do I have it? The psalmist says, you saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. So God has a book up there recorded about our lives. How many grandparents do you have pictures of your kids, remember? Now it's all digital. And you're like, this is my kids, these are my grandkids. You see, God does the same thing with us. Here, hey, here's, here's so-and-so. Do you, want, do you want to see the book about them? Isn't that awesome? That's great, Pastor. That's just, God has a book about you. You! Because He loves you. Isn't that awesome? Verse 70 is, How precious are your thoughts about me, O God? I mean, God is thinking about you. He's in love with you. Can you grasp that? No one loves me. God loves you. God loves you more than anything in this world. God has a great plan for you. I know, I know we say this a lot. Jeremiah 29, 11. Jeremiah 29, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. Isn't that awesome? Come on! The Bible is full of promises from God to us. That's only just two of the thousands of scriptures that, that we could quote. So therefore, check this out. Hebrews 12:11. you must live this out. Therefore, since we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders the sin that so easily entangles us and let us run with perseverance the, the race marked out for us. You see, God wants you to win. Letter B, we must speak the truth. Write that down. We must speak the truth. It says here, I'm going to finish. Don't worry. I've only got two more pages. We must speak the truth. Hearing the word of God initiates faith, right? Here's the scripture. Consequently, 
Faith comes from hearing the message, and the message is heard from the Word of Christ. Okay? Faith comes by hearing, right? You wonder why Pastor Stan has so many scriptures in his message? Because faith comes by hearing. Amen? And so I have lots of scriptures because I know the scriptures will help you with life. The daily pressures of life will place you in a tomb of some kind if you're not careful. We must, as Christians, listen, we must get into the Bible as much as we can daily if possible and we must make as many worship services as possible. Pastor and I work every Sunday. That's awesome that you're here today. I travel with John. That's fine. But you've got to get in the Word and you've got to get in the fellowship. And you see, one of the ways that God speaks to us also and helps our faith is when we speak out the promises of God verbally. See, wait a minute, Pastor. Are you one of those Word of Faith churches? Or are you one of those Gregorian chants churches? You know what? I, I think somewhere, I think both of them are right and we're missing out. I think some of the Word of Faith people, they're speaking out the Word of Faith and we're like missing it because, oh, they're blab it, grab it. And I don't believe God honors blab it, grab it prayers, but I do believe He honors words of faith in prayer. And then, you, you know, maybe the monks and they're the Gregorian chant. The Lord is good. Maybe you grew up in a church like this. And we're like, that's kind of weird. But you know what? They're, they're quoting Scripture. They're singing out Scripture. And you know what? There are times when I'm down and I have to quote Scripture. And I have to stand the promises of God. Because there's times I have to preach to myself throughout the week. Because I'm down and I'm discouraged. And I, what I do is I pull out the Word of God. And I have a notebook full of Scriptures God gives me. Because I take time out. When I can, I get on my knees and say, God, speak to me. And He gives me Scriptures and I write them down. And I get discouraged and I get dis- dismayed about stuff, about life, about the, the church and the ministry. And I pull out those scriptures and I start reading them. And I start quoting them out loud. God, you said in this scripture, boom. You said in this scripture, boom. Because it brings life to me. Because if I watch CNN News and Fox News all night, I would be depressed. If I believe everything in the Washington Post and the Washington Times, I would be depressed. So I have to read the Word of God. I have to quote the Scriptures so that I can have life. So speak God's life in you. Amen? You must speak the truth out. Let the Word of God dwell in you. Letter 6. Number 6. Jesus calls out in a loud voice. It says that He came to the tomb and He he called out in a loud voice. Letter A. His words bring life. The words of Jesus bring life. Do you wonder why they're trying to make it illegal to speak the Word of Jesus? Because it brings life. I mean, you, if you, you can, and I've talked to government officials and I've talked to people there, and you can have, in fact, I told you, I, I sat and talked to a, a Maryland state delegate, and he said that anybody of any religion can come in and they can say any prayer they want in any God's name, but they can't say the name of Jesus. What's wrong with that picture? Well, one, we live in a lost world, but number two, they're trying to shut out Jesus because Jesus is life. And Jesus has life. He says, I am the resurrection and life. His words bring life. Remember, He is the Word. Remember that? I don't have time to read the Scripture, but write down Ephesians 1, 18-23. Write that down. Ephesians 1, 18-23. Remember, Jesus said, I am the Word of life. I am life. And His words are life. And so, so Jesus, I believe He spoke out loud. And it's okay. You can speak out loud sometimes for Jesus. Amen? Why is it okay for people who live twisted lifestyles to come out and say, I live this, and we're, the world's like, yeah! And when a Christian says, I believe in this, like, sit down and shut up. We can stand up for what God wants us to live for, amen? There's nothing wrong with that. And that's fine if they want to voice their opinion. This is a free country. But you see, the words of Jesus bring life. And he came out and he said, Lazarus, of course, there's a whole theological talk about that. He had to say Lazarus because if he would have said, come out, everyone in that grave would have come out. 
He had to say, Lazarus, come out. And you see, the word of Jesus speaks authority. Jesus is authority. In fact, then let her be. We must speak in his authority. I am going to read this to you. Colossians 2, 9 and 10. Colossians 2, 9 and 10. Listen to this. For in Christ, all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. And you have been given fullness in Christ, who is the head over every power and authority. You see, in other words, Jesus says, I've given you authority. Speak in my name. Speak over failed things. Speak life into people's lives. Don't curse them anymore. Speak life into them. Amen? God does not intend for us to be locked behind a gravestone of fear or political correctness anymore. We must speak the name of Jesus. You don't have to be obnoxious, but you can boldly say it. Number seven, take off the grave clothes. When the dead man came out, his hands were and feet were with were wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. And Jesus said to him, take off the grave clothes and let him go. Letter A, remove the old person. You see, 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. You should be jumping in joy, right? Woo! I mean, Pastor. I mean, we've been watching the Olympics at our home and it's been fun. I mean, I'm biased because I've been cheering for the United States. I've been cheering for Korea and Sweden because those I have interests there, but really for the United States because I'm a citizen. And when the Americans, especially the women's track team, they're awesome. The women's soccer team, they, they won gold and all this stuff. And I, we were like, ah, yeah! But you see, when it comes to Jesus, we're like, oh, that's great. That, that's okay, you know, whatever. But you see, you're a new person now in Christ. You should be excited about that. You, you can now say to the devil, hey, listen, devil, I once was that person, but I'm not anymore. Because 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, I'm a new person in Christ. Amen? Well, Pastor Stan, I did this when I was... You know what? That was a long time ago. Get over it. You're a new person today. Amen? You're a new person in Christ. Don't live in the past. The past is over. You cannot relive the past. Amen? You, you've got to let go of addictions and pains and hurts and anger and unforgiveness. Let go of it in Jesus' name. Amen? I'm telling you, I'm commanding you in Jesus' name. Let go of the past. You can't go back to the past. I love my past. I love, I love my mom and dad, and, and they're, they're both in heaven. And, and I love the things that we, I learned about them, but, but I can't live in the past anymore. I've got to live for the future, amen? Letter B, remove bad theology. Anything that's not biblical is bad theology. And I just want to say this real quick because it shocks me, it shocks me, it shocks me, it shocks me, it shocks me that many Christians are getting their theology from CNN and Fox News. It shocks me that many Christians are believing the theology of their workmates over the Bible. It shocks me, it shocks me, it shocks me that Christians don't even know their own Bible. And I'm going to be nice to you. You've got to turn off the TV sometimes. You've got to turn off the Internet. Turn off your smartphone. Throw your iPad out the window. No, don't do that. Uh, um, in, fact, you can, if, in fact, if you have an iPad or a smartphone or an iPhone, you can download, uh, 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 it's called um, the U version of the Bible. It has multi-versions. I love it in the mornings. I have my, I have my paper Bible. I st- I'm a purist, man. I still love papers. You guys got your nooks and your Kindles and all that stuff and your iPad readers. And I sometimes read it, but I get distracted. I love the paper. And I pull up my Bible almost every morning. I read my Bible. And then I pull my iPad out because I have the U version of the Bible. And there's like 50 different translations. And I can, and I can, I can like have an awesome time checking them out. But you have to get in the Word, amen? 
You've got to feed your spiritual life. Read the Bible. Pray. Listen during church. Take notes. Why do I put notes in there to annoy you? No, so you'll take something out. You'll listen. Study them. Amen? Go to Bible studies. Go to Sunday school. Read Christian books. Talk with other believers about scriptures. And I'm not telling you to abandon the world, but I'm saying you can't believe that. There's a kind of a commercial, and you've probably seen it at the Olympics because I've been watching a lot of TV lately. And this, this, this lady says, you know, I, you know says, where'd you hear that? On the internet. Well, where, you know, and one of the statements is, well, everything on the internet's true. Right? And, and we all know that it's not true, right? And I, some way I just burst your bubble. Everything on the internet is not true. Okay? In fact, you, you've got to be careful. Because the internet is a tool, can be used by the devil or by God. But often I find it's the enemy that uses it more. So you can't believe everything that you hear. Oh, they say, who's they? Scientists. What, what scientists? Really? In fact, in fact, last night I was flipping because I was, no offense, I, I was bored of the rhythmic gymnastics. And the diving got a little boring too, you know. And, I mean, I could never do that. So I would like belly flop, pop, you know, stretcher, you know. And I was flipping, and, and I like history channels, and, and I was turning on the Discovery Channel, and there was like, Mermaid Man was found, you know. And I, and I, thought, this is, I said, this has got to be a hoax. I flip over there, and, and they had the, these doctors so-and-so. And yes, we, and they, I'm like, oh, this is a hoax. And Zoe comes downstairs, and she sits down and laughing. And I was like, this is funny, Zoe. This is a hoax. And I was like, but sadly, some people will actually believe this. Because it was on TV. Because it was in the paper. Because somebody's uncle's brother said it. So it's got to be true. Amen? Remove bad theology. Let me move on to the end. Letter eight, let him go. Jesus says, take the greatest clothes off and let him go. Letter A, write this down. Letter A, let God be God in your life. Let go. Well, I don't want to be strange. Pastor, I don't want to be like you jumping up on the pews and disrespecting God. This is just furniture. I don't want to be one of those holy rollers that raise their hands in church. Oh, man, I don't want to be like that. I don't want to do that holy ghost shuffle thing you guys do. Oh, I don't want to get lost. It might be good for you. I mean, you're stressed out on 270 all the time. You honk. I see you cutting me off and giving me some kind of a sign. I'm like, that's not very Christ-like. Maybe a Holy Ghost woo would help you out a little bit. Maybe holy laughter would help you kind of. Did you know that laughter is a medicine to your soul? Maybe lifting your hands at church is a good thing because God's not dead. Let God be God in your life. You need to let God have your time schedule, your smartphone, your iPad, your TV time. You must allow God to have every aspect of your life because He wants to do great and mighty things through you. You see, some people believe that Jesus can resurrect people, but not them. God can resurrect your life physically, spiritually, emotionally, relationally, financially. God can do it. Amen. Let her be then. Set the captive free. Write down Mark 16, 15 through 18. Mark, write that down because I don't have time. But basically he said, go in my name, lay hands on people, raise the dead, heal the sick, cast out demons. God expects us to take Jesus to the world. We have the concept. If we build it, they'll come. That was a movie, by the way. That wasn't God. God said to go. Go and make disciples of all nations. Go in my name. You have my power. You have my authority. We've been set free. Now it's time for us to set the captive free. Would you stand with me this morning? I do have an altar time. I want you to have time. If you need to go, please, God bless you and have a great day. But I want you this morning, I want God, I believe God is going to set some of us free. You've been entombed by something. And I want, to, I want Pastor Dave and I, we're going, to, we're going to anoint you with oil. We're going to pray. Some of you, you've been entombed by something. 
And I want you to be able to come down. I want to pray with you because there's power. The Bible says in, in James chapter 5, if anyone's sick or if he's in any trouble, the elders to lay hands on you and anoint you with oil. We're going to do that. We practice that biblical concept this morning. Because I believe that some of you, you've been entombed because of a sickness. You've been entombed because of the economy. You've been entombed because of a fear. You've been entombed because of a broken relationship. You've been entombed by an addiction. You've been entombed by, by, by something that's keeping you down. And God is saying this morning, I want to release you. You've got to push away the stone and, and believe. Maybe you have a dream that God gave you, that dream He gave you when you were a child, or 20 years old, or 30, or 40, or 50, or 80 years old. And He gave you a dream, and it's been entombed for a while. God is saying, would you let me breathe life into that, that dream this morning? And allow that dream to come out. Father, we recognize this morning that you're God. And you're on the throne. And Jesus, you said, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in you, even though we die, will have life. Spirit of God, would you breathe life into us again? Some of us have even entombed the church. We've entombed nations. We've entombed God. And Lord, would we forgive us? And would you help us to move the stone out of the way now? There are some here that said their job, it's, it's beyond repair. Their marriages are beyond repair. Their relationship with their kids is beyond repair. Their, 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 their healing is beyond you, God. It, their, nothing is impossible for God. Nothing is impossible. So, Lord, this morning, would you help us to roll away the stone? You see, Lord Jesus, you made the men roll away the stone because they had to have a part of the, of the miracle. And then you brought Lazarus back to life. Some of us have to actually physically say, I removed this stone. That's holding me back. I believe the Spirit of God is speaking to some of us right now. I've got my eyes closed. And would you just close your eyes too? Just for a few moments. You see, right now, one of the biggest stones that's holding some of you back is you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life. And I want to give you opportunity. And see, you know what? I've heard about Jesus. Or Yeah, I know about Jesus, but He's not the Lord of my life. He's not my Savior. And you need to remove that stone and say, Jesus, come into my life and take control and make me alive spiritually. You need to accept Him as your Savior for the first time. If you've never done that with your eyes, now everyone's eyes closed, everyone's head bowed. If, if you're saying, I want to accept Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior this morning, and I surrender to Him, would you just quickly raise your hand and say, that's me. I want to accept Jesus Christ as my Savior. Okay, any other hands? Go ahead and put your hands down. Please, everyone pray after me. Everyone pray after me. Dear Lord Jesus, I recognize that you are the resurrection and the life. I accept your life. I accept your salvation. I accept your lordship in my life. Forgive me my sins. Wash me with your blood. Fill me with your spirit. Thank you. In Jesus' name. Now the musicians are going to play, and I want to pray with you. Pastor Dave wants to pray with you. Please don't leave unless you have to leave, but if you want to pray with us, I want you to come down if you need God to help you roll away the stone that you've put in your life. And you say, God, I don't want this, I don't want to be entombed anymore. I want you to come down. You know what it is. Whether it's a healing, it's strength to go on, it's a breakthrough in a marriage, a breakthrough in a relationship, it's a physical healing, it's emotional healing. Come on down. If you're saying, I want God to break through my life, I need a financial miracle, I need mental healing, I, I'm in a difficult situation, and only God, He needs to resurrect it. Some of you put God in a tomb. Would you come right down and say, man, I want Pastor Stan, and I want Pastor Dave to pray with me, and I want them to believe and agree with me that God is going to break through this tomb and He's going to breathe life back into me. Come on down. If you need a healing, if you need God to, to let go of something, help you out. Maybe you've entombed God in something. You need, you need a healing. You need a miracle in a job, in a relationship, in finances, in your emotions, in this nation, in this world. 
Come on down. God is a big God. He is, Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. He is, Jesus is speaking over that tomb right now saying, come to me right now. Come on down. Anyone else? Come on down. We're going to pray with you. We're going to believe with you right now. Father, we, we, we proclaim your liberty today in Jesus' name. God. We speak life into these people, Father God, that have come to the front. We speak life into those that are here, God, in this room. We speak life into everyone, God. Release us from our tombs. Release the church from its tomb. Release this nation from the tomb. Release the nations of the world from the tombs because you are exalted, God. You reign, God. You reign over everything. And Father, there are dreams that you've given people here, and I pray that they would bring be live that dream out God there are things that we are to do Lord God but we're afraid Lord to remove that fear I speak your life into this group of people here I speak your purpose into this church God and into every church and every nation every tribe every tongue God in Jesus name we exalt you we exalt you we speak your Life. Church, I want, I want to say we can continue to pray. But specifically, God has been saying to me, stop speaking death into things, start speaking life. The church must stop cursing people in the darkness, cursing politics, and I do it myself, people and lifestyles. We need to start speaking life into them. 
We need to start praying over them. We need to speak life into this church. Speak life into every nation of the world. Amen? So I'm challenging you. Is God alive today? Yes, He is. Let people go. Amen? Let me pray. I'm going to let you go. Father God, I speak your life into this church and every church and every country, every nation, every island nation, every continent of the world, God. And Lord, specifically, I ask for forgiveness for me cursing, not cursing with vulgar language, but cursing things by saying bad things about it. But Lord, I speak now your life into people that are lost and they're in bondage. I speak your liberty to them. I speak liberty back to our nation, to our politics, to, to all the people. I speak to those that are poor, those that are rich. I speak liberty in their lives, God. I speak liberty into this church that we will be the church that you want us to be to touch this world. We love you so much, God. Now I speak your blessing.